Good morning, everybody. It is Pastor Paul broadcasting live here from the Four Oaks Home Office on this Thursday morning. It is April 22nd, 2021. If you've just stumbled onto this feed, we take 15 minutes every weekday morning to walk through a portion of God's Word together. We don't say everything we could about it, but we try to say something that's um, true and meaningful and then apply it to our lives. We are journeying through the book of Exodus, and we are up to um, next to the Red Sea passage, probably the most famous passage, um, second most famous passage, um, not only in Exodus, but maybe in the whole Old Testament, and that is the construction of the golden calf uh, by the Israelites. And as we saw yesterday, we we looked at what the chief sin of the construction of this calf was. And it wasn't that they were so much um, rejecting Yahweh, God, and Toto, right? They were attempting to worship God in the way that they thought was best, um, which was just like all the other pagan religions around them with a physical representation. And we saw how, how dangerous this was, right? Because um, it was a direct violation of how God told them to worship him. And in, in a sense, they were, they were worshiping God and made in their own image, right? Um, in, in accordance with how the people around them were worshiping their gods. And we looked at how dangerous this is, why it was so serious. Um, it was, they fashioned it in the shape of a bull or a calf, probably because that was the common depiction from where they came from, of a powerful God, a strong God. And so instead of waiting on God, instead of being patient while Moses was on the mountain, instead of um, conforming their life to who he is, um, they wanted to conform who he was to, to who they are. And that is, the, that is the height of idolatry, right? And so this morning, we want to look at uh, the next piece in this story, which is God's response to the... Um, sin of, of constructing this golden calf. And then tomorrow we'll look at um, what we can uh, learn about Moses's intercession on the part of the people. But to get all this, we're, we're going to pick back up the story in verse 7 in, in, in chapter 32. It's a little longer passage, but it's important that we read it um, just to, so we understand fully what's going on. And the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with your great power and with a mighty hand? Why should you, the Egyptians say with evil intent that he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning rage and relent from the disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. 
Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Moses heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, This is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. Now, let me just stop there for a second and try to explain what's going on because these this passage can be uh, misunderstood, right? So, so the, the, the one line of thinking goes, well, Moses is comes down the mountain. He has the very tablets of God. He is so angry. He is so hot. He is so rageful. He, he essentially pitches a giant temper tantrum and throws his, these, the stones, the tablets of stones on the ground and breaks them. And this is just sort of a, a temper tantrum on the part of Moses and can't control his anger. Well, actually, this is most likely a, a, a serious covenantal act that Moses is doing. So remember where this happens. This happens at the base of the mountain, and that's, a, that's at the base of the mountain that Israel um, is called to worship God, right? It's called, they're, they're called to be set apart as holy and to offer sacrifices and, and such. Well, God had made this covenant with Israel. It had inscribed it in the form of the Ten Commandments on these tablets. And so when Moses comes off the mountain and sees that the Israelites are breaking their covenant with God, he smashes the the covenant, the stone covenant, okay, um, sort of as this symbolic act to show them that you have broken fellowship with God, and now God is breaking fellowship with you. Um, it's a it's a highly symbolic covenant act to show them that that you are turning your back on your covenant partner, okay. Now this that's not the end of the story, but but Moses does this to communicate the seriousness, okay, of what is happening. Uh, to the Israelites of, in terms of what they are doing. A second thing that, that seems a little bizarre, it says, look at verse 20. They took the calf and they made that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered on the water and made the people Israel drink it. So this is like some, some, some episode of the Little Rascals or something where um, they are spanky in, in our gang where um, the parents make the kids drink castor oil as a punishment. Well, that, that again, that's not what's happening here. What this is saying is that what the Israelites have done is so, such a violation of the covenant, such an affront to the holiness of God, that God wanted to make sure, and Moses wanted to make sure that these articles that they had used to construct this calf would never be used for such again. And so they were to grind this, um, this, this, this cattle, this calf up, throw the dust into the drinking supply so that when the Israelites drank it, it would pass through their system in the form of waste, right? And thus be unusable again. And again, another highly symbolic act to show the Israelites just what an affront to the holiness of God this was, that, that God is treating their idolatry for what it is, dung, waste, okay? And, and, and so this is sort of the, 
again, it, these are all symbolic acts meant to communicate to the Israelites the seriousness of what's happening. So let's pick it back up in 21. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil, for they said to me, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, Let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me. I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. So again, um, everybody's trying to pass this buck here. It's like, Shazam, Aaron said. They gave me this gold. I threw it in the fire, and lo and behold, hocus pocus, here it is. Look at verse 25. And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. Then he said to them, Thus says the Lord, your God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. The next day Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves God of the goal. But now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon him, them. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they had made the calf the one that Aaron made. So what we see here is a um, is a is the disciplining hand of the Lord, um, both corporately and personally. Now we see this personally in that these um, Levites who were priests, okay, who were now given swords, and they were told to go around, and it seems like they were they were probably hunting down the leaders, those who were the the instigators of this incident with the golden calf. And they were being put to death. Um, it may very well be that these instigators were also unrepentant. We, we, we don't know for sure, but what we do know is that God held a special liability for them. And they were to be put to death for the lead, leading the people into idolatry. Well, at the same time, there's this corporate discipline, right? Where God sends out this plague on the people as a whole. And this seems to, to communicate that while... Uh, obviously, not all of the Israelites can, um, um, participated in this worship of the golden calf. Um, all of them were complicit, right? Um, no one rose up to stop these instigators. No one spoke out against the injustice that was happening. And there's a lot of great lessons from this, right? Um, it shows us that there are varying degrees of guilt and responsibility before the Lord. And even if we're not guilty of a sin of commission, we can be guilty of a sin of omission. Um, we may not be the one directly doing this, okay? Um, we, 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 we remember, do we not, this video of this Asian woman being attacked in New York City. Um, and, and 
all these bystanders looking around not doing anything to protect her. Okay, Maybe they weren't the one to attack, but they didn't do anything to prevent either. And that seems to be the sense here. Now, let's be honest. We look at all this and we, we are tempted to say, this is just Old Testament stuff. God doesn't deal with with things like this any with, with people like this anymore. And I think that would be the wrong sort of lesson to take from this, right? Because let's be honest, we do see plenty of places um, in the New Testament where God strikes down people, whether it's Ananias and Sapphira, whether it's Jesus himself on the last day. Um, I think the reason that these sorts of passages land um, land on us in the way they do and we feel embarrassed by them or want to explain them away as this didn't really happen. This was just the Israelite conceptualization of God, but we know God doesn't work this way. We, we, we say these kinds of things, I think, because we really underestimate the holiness of God. We really um, take way too lightly, okay, this idea of sin and what and how is it an affront to God then we then, then then we should. So 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 we have to ask ourselves: Are we more offended that God struck down guilty people? Okay, than we are that guilty people offended the very holiness of God. And if and if those things sound strange to us, it's probably because our senses have been dulled to the character, the purity, the holiness of God. And and and. The problem, in other words, doesn't lie with God, okay? This is not a God problem. This is a man problem. This is a sin problem. And if we were, so to, to rightly understand wrath would mean to rightly understand from God's perspective just how serious sin is. And and, and so the, the, the lesson here is not to explain away what's happening in this passage. The answer is, is to see how Jesus, okay, is the solution to this problem and how he bore the wrath of God and how he stood in our stead, his intercessory ministry. And that, my friend, is what we're going to talk about tomorrow because we are out of time. Because not only do we see the wrath of God in this passage, we see the mercy of God and we see the atonement of God. We see the intercession of God. We see the good news of Jesus in this passage, but my friend, tomorrow, same time, same station. Lord, we pray now that we would not let your holiness, your righteousness rest lightly upon us. But Lord, we would take it seriously. We would think about it. We would um, consider it. And then we would look for rescue. We would run to a savior and that's Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks everybody. See you